Welcome to the Maddest Touches. I'm your host, Chris Tusa, and this is Charlie Bradford. Welcome back to a crackly Charlie Bradbeer and a Christmas special from the Midas Touches. Charlie, how are we? Uh, yeah, really well. Thanks, Tris. As you can you can probably hear, uh, I'm not in the room with you at the moment. Uh, well, obviously, you know that, but for the listeners, um, yeah, I am at Miles and Uncle's house for Christmas. Tris, I think you're in Norfolk at the moment, so uh, recording this on, on Christmas Eve. Feeling very Christmassy now with all the family. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And actually, I was saying to everyone in my family, I don't know if this I, I don't know if they, they appreciate this or not, but uh, I think I'm looking forward to Boxing Day more than Christmas Day itself because uh, of the high quality racing we've got to look forward to. It's weird how that happens, isn't it? Like you you go through a whole year with racing and the only kind of three days that you don't have racing in the whole year are the, the, the 23rd, the 24th and the 25th of December. Other than that, it's just like a free-for-all, basically. Yeah. It works exactly that, yeah. It's just racing, racing throughout. Um, but then, like, I guess you get the the three days you don't have it is is then followed by one day at least, and probably two. We'll talk about later, but you know, certainly one day of just unbelievable racing, which has been made even better this year by by various factors. But um, yeah, can't wait for the twenty sixth. Yeah, it it's hilarious. We were in the pub earlier and looking to kind of punt on uh racing in japan which it turns out goes on on christmas eve uh not that that should be an uh, advertisement for anyone betting in japan uh this christmas because there's a lot of racing going on in the uk and ireland uh i think it's a few weeks since we last met so should we, we should probably also update our followers on our takes on the sporting events from the last few weeks. The Football World Cup has come to a close and Argentina were victorious and it was a big win for someone who and whose blog and where and why is that important? Yeah, no, it was it was a big win for Argentina and it was a big win for us on our Lunafy blog. Um, we tipped them up uh, before the tournament started as outright winners. Maybe we're looking a bit foolish after they lost to Saudi Arabia in the opening game, but but we stayed strong. And um, yeah, I, I, I was personally really happy about the result. Um, I think it was the best result for football. I know a lot of people haven't uh, necessarily liked my view on the fact that I was almost more keen for Argentina to win than than uh, England but um, for Leo Messi to get his his first so that elusive World Cup um, is a really special thing at the age of 35 and, and what a player he is and what a tournament he had it's massively special and you know I think the conversation that we had about one of the chants that the Argentinian ultras are chanting about Lionel uh, about Diego Maradona's parents sort of looking down on Lionel Messi and wanting him to win 
the World Cup as that chant is translated versus England's chant, Harry Maguire, Harry Maguire. He drinks the vodka, he drinks the Jaeger, his head is massive. I mean, it just makes you really doubt English people. Well, yeah, and actually it goes back to a fundamental thing of like um, Argentinians just want it more. And, and this goes for a lot of different nations, not just Argentina, but like they want it more than England. We think it's our right to win these tournaments. Argentina don't have that feeling. They have they have a feeling that they they desperately want to win it and they have a desire. But it's something that I think we as a nation lack. Yeah, we it, I I think so. And in the dawn of social media, et cetera, et cetera, it feels like we're letting ourselves down. Um, but that's not important today. What is important is the Christmas racing. Last year, we had our good friend Ollie Bell on the podcast who tipped up Tornado Flyer, the winner of the King George at 28 to 1. It's been a huge year. Uh, what's your number one highlight? And, uh, you know, what are you looking forward to in 2023? Probably um, all the stuff we did towards uh, Royal Alaska, I think. We put a lot of effort into that one. Um, and some of it came, you know, some of it came through, some of it didn't, but it was really, really fun to do that and um, to get properly stuck into the previews for that. So I think that in terms of the stuff, the content we put out, that was probably uh, my favourite at least. And then, you know, don't forget, we did we did put in a 100 to 1 winner in that one, um, in amongst oh, yeah. those. Uh, exactly. And um, yeah, that, that was super exciting. Um, and then looking forward, obviously, I think the, the main one that we've been chiming on about is uh, our, our Cheltenham preview, um, the, the in-person event that we're going to do. So uh, that's very much in motion, getting really excited about that. And it's not even that far away now, which is, which is what's even more exciting. Yeah. God, it's going to be a hell of an evening that uh, March the 9th, ladies and gentlemen, mark your diaries, guests to be revealed uh, but they are locked in. We can we can uh, confirm now. It's going to be a serious, serious evening. Cheltenham preview in real life. Music panel, not too long because we don't like being boring. And uh, more music. And of course, lots of Guinness and other drinks. I literally can't wait. <laughs> I'm so happy. So exciting. So exciting, mate. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, racing news. Big news from the world of Irish racing, Davy Russell retiring in the gap between our last two episodes. What a jockey, a specialist at Cheltenham. Uh, any kind of comments from your side on that? Um, no, I mean, it's sort of racing is made up of these iconic figures. I think Davy Russell has become one of those somewhat over, over the last few years. Um, so he'll be, he'll be a big, big miss uh, within the game. Uh, just a great professional, really, and um, yeah, it, it, these people, you know, they they get they get to an age where they do have to step down. It's a very um, grueling sport in that way, um, but yeah, happy retirement to him. Yeah, we're wishing Davy all the best. One other jockey, potentially more important in our eyes, Frankie Dettori has announced his retirement from racing from the end of twenty twenty three his retirement sort of farewell tour around the world starts on Boxing Day over in America, Santa Anita. 
What's Frankie meant to you as a jockey? Um, well, I think what he's meant to racing is uh, a person who's been able to bridge the gap between um, the racing world, which I guess sometimes seems a bit, a bit of a closed environment, and the general public. He's, he's reached a superstardom that sort of very few else have, have managed to do in this sport um, and made it much more accessible to, to the general public. I think, you know, when people talk about horse racing, the first person that anyone thinks about really is Frankie Dettori. He's a very well-known and sort of likable character in many spheres. Um, and for that, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll go down as, and as an absolute legend. Um, for me personally, I think uh, his win on Enable against Crystal Ocean <laughs> uh, at Ascot was obviously a race you remember well as well. Uh, it was how we picked our rooms for fourth year at university. Um, I was on Enable, so it uh, worked out very well for me. Uh, and yeah, I'll always thank him for that one, basically, I think. Yeah, he has been a superstar both on the course. I, I see him as a bit of like a racing's version of James Hunt. And I only know of James Hunt what I've seen in the film Rush, which is a really good film. Um, but he is, you know, he's been kind of a rock star of the racing world. And actually, if you took him out of it, there's pretty plain bunch. Uh, but hopefully we'll be able to replace them with the likes of Benoit de la Seyette uh, et al. Um Anyway, let's move on to the racing. And the first race that we're looking at is the 12.45 at Kempton, the long walk hurdle, which is obviously rescheduled. We have a very interesting field at uh, Kempton for the rescheduled race. Champ heads the market at 2-1. to one. Miranda for Paul Nichols, 7-2. to two. Goshen, the aforementioned Goshen is back four to one paisley park the beast that uh does not stop is nine to two and not so sleepy is hoping to be not so sleepy at 11 to one small field here for the rescheduled long walk charlie uh, any strong fancies um yeah it, it is a small field and, and this change of venue is really really interesting um because you've got in there last year's winner champ and you've got a two-time winner um in Paisley Park, the, the two 10-year-olds. Um, so it, it's definitely, well, actually, to be fair, not so super, it's also 10-year-old. But yeah, um, you've got you've got a horse in there at second favourite, Miranda, who I don't think really would be as, as short for this race if it wasn't for the fact um, that this is run at Kempton and, and she's a course and distance when her last time out. Um, so I think her price has helped there a bit and she's probably a bit short for me. Um, I mean, I'd probably tentatively side with Paisley Park just because that horse is so game, um, has actually had the better of champ on two of their last three encounters. Um, and uh, I thought that reappearance run at Newbury um, in behind champ, only, only a neck behind and closing to the line, um, was good enough and, and probably enough in there to sort of see the see the form reversed. You've got Not So Sleepy who likely, or even Goshen, who will likely go out and make quite a fast pace, which will suit, suit a closer like Paisley Park quite nicely. So, yeah, I'd probably just about side for Paisley Park in this one at the prices. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting comment. And I think when I went through the race, the only thing I thought, I, I didn't have a strong opinion. But the one thing I was thinking is that uh, Champ going right-handed had the better of Paisley Park last year at Ascot, which is another right-handed track. 
But mm. clearly, you know, the long walk being run at Campton, it's a different kettle of fish to Ascot. So it's difficult to say. I, w- I wasn't particularly strong. I don't think that champs great value at, at two to one. Uh, and mm. yeah, I'd, I'd be quite happy to kind of watch the race and get into the Christmas festivities. Yeah. Also, um, I mean, Goshen's chasing career was short lived, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, that curdling now. Unsurprising. Yeah. Jesus, leave us alone. That horse needs to just leave us alone. He'll be a flat yeah. horse next year. Yeah, you're running over five furlong sprints up at Musselburgh. <laughs> uh, anyway, the uh, one twenty at Kempton, the the Corto Star Novices Chase is the next on our agenda, and we have McFabulous currently heading the market thirteen to eight. Uh, Galia de Lito at three to one. Gelino Bello ten to three. Time Hill sevens, and Mortlock at eighties. Uh, how do you see this one going? Third race on the card at Kempton, where you're going to be present as well. Yeah, probably forgot to mention. Uh, I'll be there on the day. Um, <clears throat> really excited. It's going to be an unbelievable card. I hear there might be quite a lot of rain though on on Boxing Day, so hopefully it's going to finish up by the time we get there. Sorry, like twelve o'clock. Um, but it, it might still be a bit muddy. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I've not been to Kempton for Boxing Day before. We usually go to Market Raisin, so I'm doing this as a bit of an upgrade, to be honest. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that is a big upgrade. <laughs> not, not, not nothing against Market Raisin, of course. But, oh, of course not. Um, you know, uh, you've got a few great ones here, so it's quite exciting. Um, but yes, in terms of this race, uh, I thought McFabulous is probably a bit short. Like, is is he really that good? Um, I don't know if you agree, but but in my mind, I think he was a bit short. Um, and I also think they may have reacted slightly, the market itself may have reacted slightly too strongly to um, Time Hill's defeat um, by McFabulous last time out. It was just a three-runner race. Um, and Time Hill was actually favourite for for, the, for that race. Um, but McFabulous was allowed to make all and, and, and nothing ever really happened in the end. Um, so I think time hell is overpriced. I mean, you can't forget that he's a grade one winner in his day. Like he's a good horse and it's seven to one. That seems a bit ridiculous now. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more. I think, nice. I think I, I also backed McFabulous on the last time out because I thought that time hell would be slightly inexperienced as a jumper and time hell was favorite. So in terms of betting, it, it made no sense here. Time hell seven to one right now. McFabulous 13 to eight favorite. And, as you say, Time Hill only six lengths behind last time. It makes a lot of sense for Time Hill to be a bit of a value bet here. I'm fully in that camp, like really, really fully in that camp. He's a machine. Like Time Hill has a really real engine. Maybe his jumping's not been so great so far, but he's now had two jumps to prepare himself for this. And Philip Hobbs is a great trainer. I think seven to one's a good price. Yeah, and look, he he also has one over fences, so it's not like it's not like he can't do it. It's just you know you'd like to see a bit more improvement, but I, but I don't see that not happening. I, I I agree, and I knew you'd, I knew you'd get behind the three runner race angle as well. Love it, love it. Okay, so for our listeners, there it seems like that's probably the first strong one we've had from the racing uh, perspectives thus far. One fifty five, and it is the beast. Constitution Hill returns for the Christmas hurdle against his stablemate Epitant. Uh, one to seven, the price for Constitution Hill right now. Is it just as good as done deal? Move on. 
Uh, I mean, it should be, shouldn't it? Like, I'm really excited. First time I'd have seen him in the flesh. So can't wait to see uh, that. Um, so long as he turns up, I guess. If it rains loads more, Nicky's going to be a bit reluctant, won't he? Yeah, I think I think he will. But also, Nicky's reluctant with this one when it's too, you know, when the ground's good as well. So, I don't know. One on heavy last year at Sandown. We'll, true, we'll, true. We'll see. We'll see. But I, I would, I would really hope that he gives a kind of Christmas surprise, and it never really gets that uh, wet at, at Kempton. It's one of the drier tracks, I think. Uh, you know, along along with Ascot as well. Mm. Yeah, I mean, look, it would be really good to see him, and he's put second favorite Epiton into place um, last time out. So, that, yeah, sh- shouldn't be an issue, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd be, uh, I'd be in agreement there. Um, Fingers crossed the Constitution Hill gets it done. Let's move on, though, to the big one. Arguably of the whole Christmas racing festival, the King George VI chase. Uh, and we have Lon Press, the heavy ground specialist, Cheltenham winner, two to one, uh, Brave Man's Game, who was mightily impressive on reappearance this season, 11 to four. Envoy Allen comes over for Henry de Bromhead, 13 to 2, Hitman, Paul Nichols, eights, Royal Pagai, another heavy ground specialist, bit of a boat in my eyes, 14s, Ahoy Senor, 20s, Eldorado, Allen, 25s, Frodon, previous winner of this race, is 25s, and Miller's Bank currently bringing up the rear at 66 to 1. Big race, grade one, Christmas period, who. Are you putting your money behind on this one, Charlie? Oh, man, this this is a really good race, actually, um, and it has um, in more recent years maybe not looked so good. So I'm I'm quite excited about this, and it looks at the moment, or at least people are sort of calling it out to be a bit of a matchup between Long Press and Brave Man's Game. I'm almost quite surprised to see Brave Man's Game not favourite here, and I know the reason will be why why will be because of the ground. Um. But, I mean, Paul Nichols has got an unbelievable record in this race. He's literally the master of this race. He's won it 12 times. And you just know that from the time that um, Brave Man's Game won the quarter star novices chase, the the, the, horse, the race we just talked about uh, last year, he would have been lining this this one up. Like, this 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 one's been marked in the diary as, as one to win for Brave Man's Game. So he would have been campaigned bang on for this. Um He's a very he's a reliable horse. He's a good jumper. Uh, as you said, he had a great reappearance run this year in the Charlie Hall, beating the Hoy Senor. Um, loves the three miles, and yeah, I think he can probably get the better of Long Press, who who can be a bit more um, temperamental with the jumping. Uh, the one I did think Envoy Allen was interesting um, after that champion uh, champion chase win in November. But the Irish actually have a pretty bad record, partly because of Nichols' dominance. Um, but uh, Tornado Flyer, who obviously our man uh, Ollie Bell tipped up last year, they hadn't won the race since, since 2005. So um, maybe leave Envoy Island just for, for that reason. And, and I do like Brave Man's game as, as just quite a solid horse. Um, so yeah, I'd be, I'd be willing to take him. But uh, I think you've got a, a bit more of an interesting angle here for the listeners. Well, I think the... Uh, you know, the Bryony Frost Paul Nichols combination that won on Frodon last year. Obviously Brian Bryony takes the ride again 
on Frodon. And I think Frodon is often overlooked as a horse. And as long as the ground doesn't get too soft, I could see Frodon having a really good chance here. And I think having that price once again, each way in the big race of the weekend, I, I, yeah, I think Frodon showed really good form on reappearance this season, ran a good 10 pounds above its official rating, according to race, racing post uh, against Lord Accord. And last time out, not disgraced behind Protector at and Eldorado Allen, uh, who reappears here. Eldorado Allen has also had some, you know, really good form behind Brave Man's game by only three and three and a half lengths. So, you know, the form ties in well, and I don't think there should be that much of a discrepancy. And obviously, Froden as a past winner, winner at Kempton. I think 25 to one's too big. And, you know, Froden was seven to one last year, came fourth just outside the places. But I think 25 to one's still too big. So a bit of a value value bet for me there. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Ollie Bell, interestingly enough, uh, actually sent in a uh, voice note to us because we asked him to give us his tip for Boxing Day. Obviously, last year, listeners will remember that he tipped up the winner in Tornado Flyer at 28 to 1. So let's listen to what Ollie had to say about the King George the Sixth chase. Hi, just touches. It is Ollie here. Uh, firstly, wishing you all a very Merry Christmas. I know last year, Boxing Day was very fruitful for my just touch listeners. Um, and that is because Tornado Flyer won the King George. Uh, a few of you have actually come up to me at the races saying you backed it, which is great news. So well done. I hope you've had a few other winners along the way. This year, I do think Lom Presse will be hard to beat in the King George, but um, at a price, I'm going to chance my arm with Ahoy Senor. I think he's overpriced compared to the top two. So Ahoy Senor is my tip in this year's King George. Elsewhere, Balco Coastal, I think, is a good bet at Kempton as well. Um, keep up the great work with the pods, pod lads. And um, yeah, wishing you all a very Merry Christmas and a prosperous New Year. Cheers, everyone. Prosperous New Year. Hopefully it will be for us. Uh, interesting Ollie's take. Lompress, obviously a really, really strong horse. Ahoy Senor uh, got the better of him at Aintree last year. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, Ahoy Senor also got the best of, better of uh, Brave Man's game. So 20 to 1 is a big price. Yeah. I love it. He doesn't shy away from a big price. We, we love to see it. So, uh, yeah, take note, guys. Yeah, <laughs> good luck to Ollie. Uh, the 305 at Kempton, the big two-mile four handicap chase. Have you had a look at that? It, it's really... Well, I, I know you wanted to look at it, and I had, like, a slight... Go. I, I know Ollie's just uh, mentioned Balco Coastal there, who's favourite. Um, I, I think you like this race. Did you want to tip something? No, I don't have uh, any uh, any opinion in the 305, <laughs> to be honest. Apart from Ollie obviously saying it was interesting that Balco Coastal was running. Um, yeah, no, to be fair, in all seriousness, I actually, uh, when looking at it, I quite liked uh, Solo in the race. So Yeah, but you just uh, lo- you love Johnny Delahaye, don't you? 
I do, I do. <laughs> I mean, I know this is an Ascot, but um, he's a previous winner at the horse, uh, the course solo, uh, and does have some good chase experience under the belt, which uh, a few of these don't. Um, he, he was even behind um, Star Chase at Edwardston last year, so um, yeah, soft conditions will suit as well. So yeah, maybe if, if you're feeling like Ollie's just won you loads of money on a hoist and you're in the King George and you want to put a fiver on something in the next, maybe solo or Lord Battersley if you don't mind someone who can't jump. Yeah, or Lord Battersley. Uh, let's move across to Weatherby where Sham Blue is returning in the William Hill Roland Mayrick handicap chase. Uh, Sham Blue's two to one into overdrive, 11 to two, sounds Russian, sixes. Chantry House, Cheltenham winner, 15 to 2. Fanny and Destreval, one that we love. 11, Sporting John, hype horse of yesteryear, 12s, alongside Zanza, another one that you used to love. Uh, I write 25s, top of all Ben, 25s. Windsor Avenue, 25s. And 28 to 1, Kalashnikov, who was once hyped up for the Supreme Novice Hurdle. Love this race. <laughs> Windsor Avenue, what do you think? <laughs> Wait, do you actually like Windsor Avenue? Uh, yeah. You do? I mean, because I quite like Windsor Avenue as well, but like, I didn't have a massive opinion on this. Um, but he, equally, Windsor Avenue is like back down to a mark in which um, he, he could look quite competitive. Um, I thought the other one may be I right with the claimer on board as well. Um, yeah, again, another horse that's sort of coming down the weights rather than going the other way. But uh, yeah, again, I, I love the name of this race. and <laughs> It's like my favourite um, name racer in in racing, um, the, the Roland Mayrick. But I couldn't really find an angle, if I'm honest. So I'm happy to leave it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I was, I was definitely in the camp of uh, Windsor Avenue, funnily. I mean, not just because you, you tipped him last year, but form behind Long Press is hard to deny. Long Press, the one that we were saying is difficult to beat in the King George. Uh, Windsor Avenue here, it's a weaker race, 25 to 1. I don't know. It's not necessarily a, a dead cert, but I think there's definitely potential there. And I think Windsor Avenue has the capability to run a really good race. So... Let's just let's just see. Let's just see. Yeah, go on. Let, yeah, let, let's let's do that. Windsor Avenue is nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's let's jump across the Irish Sea to Leopardstown. Uh, we're going to cover a couple of races here over the 26th and 27th. We don't want to keep you guys too long, but we have the uh, Racing Post app Novice Chase. Phil Dor heads the market eleven to ten. Hollow Games five to two. Samois fours. Midnight Run twenties. Visionarian 25s. Uh, is this as simple as Fildor turns up for Gordon Elliott and Jack Kennedy and just wins and lands them all a huge gamble? Uh, I actually thought not, weirdly. I, I find it odd that Hollow Games uh, is, is, is the one that's coming into the money. Um, and even though he's conceding £8 to Fildor. But... Um, the last four-year-old to win this race was actually in 2014, which is also uh, Gordon Elliott's last winner in this race. Um, so, yeah, I, I think um, 
I, I think the, the the front two here, um, not that they should be overlooked, but but there's one further down the market, and that's Samra for uh, for for Willie Mullins, who who is now absolutely firing them in. Um, he he's also got a great record in this race, unsurprisingly. Uh, five of the last seven winners, in fact, including horses like Footpad Duvan. Uh, and yeah, his, his form at the moment's pretty unreal. Um, Sam Ra's two pounds better off in the weights with Phil Dore than last time, and that was only a two-length second. Um, and I think the return to Leperstown here will, will be a plus. So um, though the front two are obviously sort of battling it out in the betting, I think Sam Ra could, uh, could sweep in and pick up, the, pick up the race. I think that could be a Christmas nap because I'm all over that as well. Yes. Um... <laughs> And I think it's a huge value bet. Really, really do. Really, really, yeah, bullish. Four to one. Snap it up if I were you. Uh, before we move on to the 27th of December, the final tip, which is from our good friend, Jamie Radford. Jamie has one runner in bangers and cash running at Market Raisin. And we've got a bit of word for this one for our listeners so give a listen to this he goes for the Lincolnshire National at Market Raisin over his first crack in a marathon trip um, he's been backed into favouritism now and look this he fits the profile of the typical winner of this race which is um, a progressive novice um, ahead of its mark normally untried at marathon trips um, and one actual thing to note is that Ben Pauling since he's uh, changed yard this season has has been um, operating at a much higher strike rate and his horses have been in a much better vein of form. So that's another positive. One thing I would be slightly concerned about is, um, you know, he's up nine pounds, but also um, is whether he's going to stay this marathon trip on, you know, winter soft ground. Um, this is December, it's soft ground, and it's not the easiest time to to, to have the first crack at a marathon trip. Um, he's won over three miles, but on good soft ground. Um, at Exeter and Taunton, he won over two miles seven, again, on good to soft. So adding an extra three and a half furlongs in a better race, up further in the weights, um, you know, you're taking a risk. And I haven't seen the evidence yet that he will relish the trip. But I guess we're going to have to see. Fingers crossed, but everything's well form-wise. Um, and he's in great nick. In terms of my best bet for Boxing Day, um, it comes in the... Uh, in the shape of Copperhead um, in the 313 at Wincanton, um, which is a Potemps network handicap hurdle. Um, it's a weird one. The last 10 runners of these, none of them have been six-year-olds. There's not a single five or six-year-old in this race. Um, he ran at Sandown last time coming fifth in, in, in arguably a much hotter race. Um, he's been dropped five pounds, and they've dropped up Harry Kimber, who's a three-pound claimer. So he's, he's effectively eight pounds lower here. Um, last time at Sandown, you know, that was over two miles, seven and a half. This is three mile and a half. So there's an extra furlong here in softer ground. And that was against the likes of, you know, Halo de Zobo, Call Me Lord. You know, some really, really good horses for the grade. Um, and, you know, I think he's going to have a much easier time of it. All his wins have come in December, January and February throughout his career. So, um, you know, he loves, he loves winter ground. And he might not be the horse he was, but... Um, at 20 to 1, I think he's a cracking each way bat. You've got to love it from Jamie, don't you? He's such a DJ. 
you got some some grade one action for it across Kempton and, and Leopardstown, and he's going for a, a handicap hurdler <laughs> at uh, Wincanton. Um, I mean, respect to the guy. Uh, sounds like it sounds like an interesting bet. So check that one out. And uh, good word there on bangers and cash too. Yeah, we love to hear. We love to hear it from the uh, the the Radford camp. Let's kick on to the big one on the 27th, the Welsh Grand National at Chepstow. It's a bit of a minefield, this. Clearly, there's going to be a couple of gambles on the day, which we don't know about yet. But do you have a strong opinion? Uh, I've got something, definitely. Uh, there, there are quite a few in here who, who, who have good Chepstow records. Um and one of those was seventh in this last year, but off fourteen pounds higher, <laughs> and that's uh, Trucker's Lodge. Um, he is a horse that's proven at, the, at this marathon trip. Uh, it's, it's actually definitely no issue for him. He, he in fact won. Uh, oh, I say romped home in the in the Midlands National at Utoxa back in twenty twenty, um, and that's over four mile two. This is this is three six and a half here. Um, that that win, in fact, was off the same mark as he is now for this race. Um, he would have definitely needed that run at Haydock last time out after what was a two hundred and forty five day layoff. Um, and yeah, as I say, he has good che- he has good chep so far. He's a he's a three time winner at the course. Um, and I just think in this kind of race, you want someone you know is going to see out the distance um, because what happens? These races crumble, right? Like there's twenty runners or whatever, and then five finish and they're slogging it to the line so trucker's lodge is going to be there at the end um and it's just whether he can sort of wither down the rest of his rivals and and i think he's got a good chance of doing so 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 yeah i like trucker's lodge for this one actually interesting i think i i I really think that we may have a jp mcmanus winner in the race in the form of musical slave uh who's had some really, really good form since being gelded last year. Uh, since then, third behind Wing My Win, Win My Wings for Christian Williams, who I believe has run very well in this race before. Um, most recently, though, a fifth behind Fontaine Collange before that, the last race of last year, uh, beat, uh, sorry, was second behind Hewick, who is much higher higher rated and uh, I think really off 137 the handicap market today uh, we have a good chance for for musical slave here Philip Hobbs has had good success in this race before winning it twice in the last uh, 10 years we were there on that day actually weirdly when when Hewick won I don't know if you remember at Sandown uh, Kitty's Light was a strong favorite that day Musical Slave coming in second. I, I have a really good feeling about this one. Um, and it's, I think he's really a, a different horse. Off off one three five here, jockey yet to be booked, but this is the only race that he's entered for. So I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that we do get Musical Slave lining up here at 20 to 1. I think it's a really good bet. Yeah, mate, I, I remember Hugh for that one. He, he, he's definitely a good horse. Um, so I, I like the angle there. It's interesting. Um I just want to uh, correct myself on that. It was a weird one because they ran two Welsh nationals um, last year <laughs> uh, because they postponed the one in 2020, didn't they? So he was seventh in 2020 and he was actually third last year. 
um, or off a higher mark. So, you know, nothing not to like. See, he's, he's got good form in this race. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about this one, I think. At, at, at a decent price, like 25 to 1, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, let's let's finish up the uh, the the racing festivities over at Leopardstown for a couple of races. We'll quickly chat through the uh, Rewards Club Chase, the Grade One, the One Ten. Shaq and Poussoir is back, but does he win? I mean, that's a big question, and I think actually it's it's a lot harder a lot harder question to answer than than, than it may seem um, because. On the face of it, Shaq on has only found uh, Aplutard better at, at this course um, in five starts. And that's, that's included four grade one wins at this track. Um, I mean, he clearly loves Leopardstown and looks pretty, pretty damn bulletproof here. Um, that said, he, he's now coming here as a 10-year-old uh, on his first run of the season. And like for as good a horse as, as this as this once was um can you really do it first time out against a couple of, sort of decent opponents um i'd be a bit more skeptical i mean i wouldn't necessarily have blue lord uh to take him on um and i i know you've got an angle um so i'll, I'll sort of leave the floor to you to see if we can take on shack on it well i mean it's difficult it's difficult i think captain guinness for as much as i like him and i think he's a good horse on his day um I, I, I find it difficult to look past the top two, to be honest, actually. Looking at it, looking at it in depth, I think the, the, the course and distance uh, form is key. And Shackon and Blue Lord both boast good form. Blue Lord last time beat Tornado Flyer, who won the King George. So, I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be boring. I think it is potentially going to be Willie again. But hopefully it'll be Willie again because he's just won with Samwa on the 26th. <laughs> That's my hope, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, it's probably going to be Shaq on then. He's he's 13 pounds better rated on official ratings than Blue Lord. Um, and yes, he's reappearing, but but he's done it very well in the past. He's actually a horse that goes quite well fresh. And I know that will change as he gets older. But yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. And it's capping off what's going to be an unbelievable couple of days. So yeah, let's just be excited for it. It is going to be an unbelievable couple of days who are you most excited to see horse um mate uh, that well bar constitution hill given i haven't seen him ever like on track um i think in terms of the race for me it's got to be the king george i mean long press against brave man's game with the extra element of like you know envoy allen flow thrown in there and thrown on for good measure you know i think that's gonna be extremely exciting um, could also be if you want to watch what could be quite a funny race watch um, Not So Sleepy and Goshen both try and go off in front like absolute nutcases and take out the rest of the field uh, in the long walk hurdle because those two horses literally have minds of their own yeah it's going to be an interesting start to the day uh, it is such an exciting period of, of racing this is the last time that we'll talk to each other before Christmas day uh, so very happy Christmas happy holidays to everyone out there listening uh we hope that we've been able to deliver you a bit of entertainment maybe a couple of winners we'll see looking forward to being back in person next year not just for our weekly episodes but also for our live cheltenham preview uh, but for now it's a goodbye from me tris 
and it's a goodbye from me. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas, one and all. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>